got news for you, pal. You ain't leaving but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Jack truly left town. This is Tim. This is New York Giants. Straight Talk. Powered by Online Big Blue LLC. I'm doing this on four hours sleep. Got back from the game very late last night. Stayed for the entire debacle. I want to give a big shout out to James Williams, uh, who hung with me the entire night. It was um, it was interesting. It was interesting to watch. It was interesting to listen to the fan reactions on the way home. It was interesting to listen to ESPN Radio about how the Giants are are basically and and Carl Banks called it after that interception and went back ninety seven yards that the Giants offense is officially broken. I think Daniel Jones is officially broken. The offensive line is officially broken. There's there's plenty of blame to go around here. You look at the 11 sacks, and yes, Daniel Jones was under duress most of the evening, but you can't use that as an excuse. Look at the Seattle Seahawks. They were with they were without, I should rephrase, both starting tackles. They lost both starting guards during the game to the point that their starting center had to move over to guard. They had four, or I should rephrase it, they were missing four of their starting offensive linemen, and their center at one point was playing guard. Think about that for a second. They were missing a total of four of their starting offensive linemen, and their starting center was playing out of position. But they seemed to handle the Giants' defensive line. Kayvon Thibodeau had his sack early, which again, the quarterback, basically uh, Geno Smith ran into him, had the sack at the end of the game as well. So in between, he kind of did nothing. There was, there was, there was no there there. I got to, I got to give Kayvon a lot of credit because he finally decided to cut his rush to the inside, which was shocking. Cause we've been saying since last year that he loops way too far on the outside on his outside rush that the tackle is just pushing into the sideline. So finally he is moving that that move, if we're going to call it that, his his pass rushing move to the inside. It was it was just an ugly, ugly, ugly game to go around. It really was. And of course, the Giants offensive line did not help D- Daniel Jones as much, but Daniel Jones didn't help his own cause. I now I haven't gone on Twitter and I haven't gone on um I haven't gone to any of the social media outlets this morning because of the fact that I, I don't even want to watch it yet. But Daniel Jones has this has this internal clock. And I think sometimes what's happening with him now is the fact that he's taking these sacks. And his internal clock, even when there isn't pressure, he's he's sensing pressure. He's he's not he's not a Sam Darnold, he's not seeing ghosts. But, you know, everyone will tell you who's played quarterback, you have this internal clock, and that internal clock allows you to feel and sense the rush. There were plenty of times last night, again, that Daniel Jones didn't even sense the rush. And it was, it, it was coming sometimes directly in front of him, and he didn't even see it. He didn't even move. And then there were times that he held on to the ball for a very long period of time, and he would just roam the pocket. I recall one play late in the second quarter where Wandell Robinson was open. And I mean like wide open. Daniel Jones looked to the other side of the field. He ran to the other side of the field. He had time. He, and I don't know how, maybe he didn't see Wandell, 
but I don't know how he did it because he was running directly in the direction of Robinson. And the defender actually came up and left Robinson alone. And Daniel Jones, who seemed to be staring directly at Wanda Robinson, didn't throw the ball. And this was a theme last night. And this is before the, the onslaught at the end of the game where, we, where they had multiple sacks. The offensive line was porous, 100%. The offensive line could not hold up at the end of the game. They really couldn't. It, was, it literally was just an onslaught. But the problem, the problem was this. It, 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 and, and like I said, it seems to be that even when his pocket is clean, even when he has the ability to stand back there and look, he doesn't pull the trigger, Daniel Jones. He doesn't. It's almost like he'd rather have the willingness to run than to throw the ball beyond a five-yard out. And it's amazing. He goes 27 for 34 for 203, six yards, two interceptions. He technically he technically could have um, had three interceptions because one of them was dropped. He was sacked 10 times for 59 yards. Paris Campbell was also sacked once for eight. But it was one of these things that he, he also had 10 carries for 66 yards. And people, some of his, some of the DJ lovers are going to say, well, you know, he just, it's, it's just, we don't have the pieces around him. Well, you know, it, you know, and I love it because one of the uh, people on ESPN was saying last night that the Giants are all flash. The Giants went out and got all flash. They went out and got, you know, Waller. They went out and got a Hyatt. They went out and got a Paris Campbell, but they never fixed the problems on the offensive line. Now you could sit there and blame Bobby Johnson, but I've said this before about Bobby Johnson, the offensive line coach. Most of these players, except for John Michael Schmidt are the same players from last year. So the offensive line just hasn't improved any. And maybe it's because of the fact that at certain points of time, you are not going to improve certain players. Ben Bredesen is not going to get any better. Glowinski is not going to get any better. Andrew Thomas is an all pro. He is what he is. You, you, you have other guys that like Matt from Connecticut, who's been here forever is not going to get any better. Cause he hasn't been any better under two other regimes. You have rookies and you know, Schmidt has played well at times, but he's also made his mistakes. You have, you have other second year players that maybe they're just not as good as the giants think. Maybe the Giants needed to focus. And I talked about this all offseason. Maybe the Giants needed to focus on finding some offensive line talent. You can, and this is what this is what teams always do. And this is what bad teams always do. First thing we're going to do is we're going to blame the coaches and we're going to fire some coaches. Then we're going to blame the coordinators, because that's usually the next thing you do. And then you're either going to demote Kafka or you're going to fire Wink. Then you're going to roll over to the head coach. And then you're going to roll over to Joe Shane. That's what bad teams do. That's what the Giants have done for the last 10 years. And it's amazing to me that we are still in the same cycle. We are still in that cycle of we can't figure out how to get out of our own way. We talked about it during the offseason that the Giants caught every lucky break last year. Every, every lucky break. The ball bounced their way every time. And I kept repeatedly telling people the football is shaped weird for a reason. It's going to bounce differently every year. Some years you're going to get every single break. You're going to run into other years where you're not going to get any breaks. 
But what's really, really concerning to me is watching Daniel Jones and watching watching Daniel Jones on television does not give you the full picture of what is on that field. I love it because of the fact that you you had the giant fans in the beginning of the game that were truly cheering and rooting for Daniel Jones. Anytime he did anything, he got a three yard run. You would think he went for 50. And I think at this point in time, we, we have reached the 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 moment of mediocrity that if he does anything that's somewhat good, you know, we want to cheer. They were cheering penalties last, I mean, last night on Seattle and the, the crowd was, they were cheering penalties, but by the end of the second quarter going into the third, the fan base started to shift and people were actually pointing out the fact, okay, well he had this guy open. He had this guy open. He had this guy open. He checked this one down. He ran it. And he ran this play. And again, like I said, I, I just I just think that he's seeing the things in front of him. But he's sometimes now sensing and feeling the pressure even when it isn't there. And that's pretty scary because, like I said, there I could think of at least three separate occasions. He had wide receivers at least 10 to 15 yards down the field that were open that he should have saw. And like I said, the Wanda Robinson play was really eye-opening to me. He, he was literally staring at Wanda Robinson. And he didn't throw him the ball. He didn't. He didn't, he didn't even throw him the ball whatsoever. And then you take a look at the fact that we are down 14-3. Two of Seattle's possessions. The first one we stopped them on fourth down. And then the next one, they missed a field goal. Giants drive down the field with the help of a 15-yard penalty on that one-yard run by Matt Breda on that face mask. They get, they get into scoring position. Daniel Jones has time in the pocket, rolls out, throws, makes, I, I, I don't even know, I don't even know how a fifth-year quarterback makes that throw when you had Darren Waller open in the end zone. And that's what I kept saying to people in the stands. It's almost like he's feeling the pressure that's not there. And he's just trying to get the ball out. And he's making bad decisions. Dable, if you watch him on the sidelines, when he came back on the sidelines, Jones, Dable ripped into him. I think there's some video online. I think I'll post it on Twitter. He ripped into him. Destroyed him on the sideline. You could see it. He ripped into Daniel Jones. Because then you make that a 14-10 game and you have a different ball game. And we haven't even gotten into the defense yet. <laughs> Great balls of fire. We haven't even gotten in the defense yet, to the defense yet. We're going to get to the defense. But using the offensive line as an excuse is no longer an excuse. Justin Herbert, when he first came into the league, had a horrible offensive line. One of the worst offensive lines in football. And he was under duress most of that rookie season. But he threw the ball better statistically under duress than he did when he had a clean pocket. He threw the ball better under pressure. Daniel Jones folds like a tent in the wind. You paid this guy $40 million. And in all fairness, I had to say that because um, we're in the stands and James was yelling for Daniel Jones to earn his money, making $40 million a year. And this guy in front of us looks at, looks at James and goes, well, in all fairness, he, he, he's not really making $40 million. You missed the point. And these are the fans that aggravate me because you're missing the point. 
James's point is you're on average paying this guy $40 million to be your quarterback messiah. If you knew that you were not anywhere near ready to be competitive, why would you pay this guy? Because he's going to eat up like 18% of your cap next year. And I'm not seeing anything better than I saw to the, it, it's he, last year was an average season at best. I think the, and now the two previous seasons, if you remove the injuries and you have, he would be statistically about the same as last year. The only difference is we won some games last year, but it's, it's the total failure of Kafka, of Bobby Johnson, of Daniel Jones and of Brian Dable. It's the total failure of this organization to cultivate an offense. And I love the people that are like, well, we don't need that Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley is a vital part of this offense. He keeps the offense on the field and he keeps the defense on their toes. And and that's what you need. You need to have a legitimate threat in that backfield. He takes the pressure off of Daniel Jones. But it, it just it just literally, like I said, it doesn't make sense to me right now what exactly is going on with this offense. And honestly, going to a giant game. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes. No. No. Certain. Uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? Uh, no, not by now. No, it's not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. Uh, no. Make up your mind. No, no. Think. Since you're thinking, now go on. Think. No, is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. Going to a giant game right now is zero fun. It really, and I stayed the whole game. We stayed, we, 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 we hung in there for the whole thing. As the, as the entire contingency of the giant fan base left in the fourth quarter, James and I were sitting there with Seattle fans. It, it's a bad product. And it should have been concerning at the beginning of the season when Joe Shane said, clearly stated, well, we have to wait four or five weeks to see what, what, what we have in this team. Well, now we know what you have in this team. You have garbage. You literally have hot, stinking dung of garbage. Who right now, if you want to be honest, are poorly coached, undisciplined, and a lot of them just don't understand their assignments. Bobby O'Karake, the big, the big, the big off-the-ball linebacker that we get, that we overpaid for in the free agent market. While he had 10 tackles, it doesn't tell the story about how many he missed. It doesn't tell the story how, what's his name? What, what the hell is the tight end's name? Fanta? Fanta? Fanta, Fanta, Fanta. How he got so wide open. Now, this guy is not fleet of foot. He got so wide open and rumbled through the defense. A Karakate missed the tackle. You were lucky that, that, that Simmons was able to basically shoestring tackle him before he, before he came down at the one before the uh, before Seattle just scored with Kenneth uh, Kenneth Walker. It was terrible. And the vaunted defensive line. Seattle Seahawks 23 carries for 21 yards. Drew Lock had an Drew Lock came in for an injured Geno Smith and had an 11-yard scramble. Which was unbelievable. Drew Lock was 2 for 6 for 63 yards. 
Geno Smith, where I was only 13 for 20 for 110 and a touchdown, was basically untouched, unmolested in the backfield outside of the two sacks on Kayvon Tibbs. They basically had no pressures, no hits. We're right now negative eight in turnovers. We have zero turnovers on the season. You have Leonard Williams, who, who looks, you know, Mr. King of the Almost Sack. He aspires to be king of the almost sack. McFadden looked bad at times. Banks looked bad at times. There were certain plays that both Banks and Hawkins got basically spun around on. And thank God that Geno didn't find him down the field. DJ Metcalf at times was wide open. (laughs) I mean, wide open. And then I love it because if you actually look at the time of possession uh, on, on on this on this sorry display. The Giants had the ball for 36 minutes. I love when people are like, well, the Giants couldn't do anything in offense. You had the ball for 36 minutes compared to 24 time of possession on Seattle. Seattle had eight penalties for 74 yards. They were trying at times to give this game to us. They were only three for 12 on third down efficiency. They had one penalty for a first down. The Giants also had one penalty for a first down. Giants were six for 16, two for four on fourth down. Seattle had 13 first downs. The Giants, 17 first downs. If you looked at some of these statistics, you would look at it and say, well, they completed 15 for 26. Giants completed 27 for 34. But the average yard of a pass play was almost six yards for Seattle, to three yards for the Giants. It was it was just one of those days that again it was just it was such a poor performance. Geno Smith gets a taunting penalty. You got a quarterback who had such disrespect and disregard for the giant defense. He got a taunting penalty because he was upset about the fact that he got pulled down by, by behind by Isaiah Simmons and he thought it was a dirty play. But at the end of the day, they still won 24-3. They had only a, a total of 281 yards in reference to the Giants' 248. Difference is the three turnovers. Difference is the fact that the defense, once again, couldn't get off on the field on the third down. They couldn't tackle. The tackling on this team is the poorest. I, I, this is the poorest tackling I've seen since I've been watching this team since 1976. But don't worry. We're not. And, and, and like I said, there is plenty of, there is plenty of blame to go around here. You got a quarterback whose internal clock and it seems to be sped up now and is and is seeing people that aren't there and making throws that he shouldn't because he seems like he's trying to avoid the rush. You also have a quarterback who has zero, I mean, zero pocket awareness, zero pocket presence, zero. And we have been talking about this since day one, zero. I know there's a number less than zero, which is negative. But I don't think you can have negative pocket presence. He does, though. You hooked your horse up. You hooked, you hooked your cart up to this guy, Daniel Jones. And like I said, and I'm going to say it again. I'm going to say it a million times. If you felt you were Joe Shane and you felt that you were not close to being competitive or close to being ready, that you had to wait four or five weeks to see what this team had, why would you spend the money on Daniel Jones? I'm looking at his first year draft class. It's not impressive. I'm looking at this year right now. 
Banks has played well at times, but I'm not impressed again. And I said this even after the draft. I said, I think it's a, I think everyone was like, oh, we rocked it out of the park. Well, in all fairness, it just wasn't impressive. It's not impressive yet. Free agent signings, the people he brought in, the people he brought in vis-a-vis trade, not impressive. You can look great against the all-shorts team, but when you actually have to get on the field against live competition, and I don't think Seattle's that good of a team even at 3-1. and They're 2-0 and on the road. You need to get Saquon Barkley back, and you need to get Saquon Barkley back immediately. You need to turn, you need to literally, I don't care what you need, you need to just tape him up and put him out there. Because if you cannot, if if the stupid, idiotic segment of this giant fan base who said we don't need Saquon Barkley, we have Daniel Jones, you need to shut up. Because without a viable running game, without a viable threat, without someone to take pressure off Daniel Jones because he doesn't handle pressure well, things go horribly wrong. And things went horribly wrong again last night. Like I said, it's not even a fun product to watch. It's not even a fun product to drop your money on and, and sit there and, and watch this. You know, you have certain segments of the fan base Remain calm. All is who have the blinders on. They've had the blinders. I love the fans now that after an average season last year for Daniel Jones were in the content creators, and you know who you are anointed him once again, the savior, the hero. And there were people, there were people that were actually being accurate about Daniel Jones before they made the playoffs last year. And then they jumped wholeheartedly into the Daniel Jones. They didn't put a little toe into Daniel Jones pool. They jumped wholeheartedly into the Daniel Jones pool. And now he sucks. And now they're like, well, maybe we were wrong. No, maybe you were right initially. And then you swayed with the prevailing wins because you want the likes, the clicks, the bleeps and the boops. And now you're going to come back and be disingenuous to your fan base and tell them, well, maybe we are wrong about this. I love Howard Cross. I love Howard Cross. I, I've talked to Howard Cross multiple times at games, former giant tight end. He does the, like a little radio show at the end of the game in the coaches club and him to watching him trying to, to defend the giants last night was just, he was a true company man. And, and even James was yelling at him and I'm like, you know, it's funny. It's, he's what do you want him to say though? You know, he works for the Giants. But if you don't work for the Giants, you have your own voice. Be honest. Look at this product and be honest about it. Poor Darren Waller is like, I should have invited the motherfucker to the wedding. Three catches, 21 yards. It's disgusting all around. We're going to do a live stream because I got a lot to talk about. And I'm still rambling. But you know what, guys? I'm not. It's not going to get any better because we're going to Miami and Buffalo. One and six, here we are. One and five, here we come. You know what to do. Don't forget to like. Don't forget to subscribe. Don't forget to ring that bell because you want to know why? That'd be awesome.